Hello everyone, this is Alexandra Perry and you are listening to Investing After Hours, a Wealth Daily Podcast. Today, Jimmy Mangle, a cannabis expert, is joining me to talk about how investors can get started with the cannabis sector. Jimmy, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No problem. So I think the best place to start is just kind of you telling us about yourself and what your investing experience has been in the past. Um, I guess my first foray into investing was uh, as a kid collecting baseball cards. So I would buy all these baseball cards and then, you know, sell them for way more than I bought them for. And eventually my, my father told me, hey, like, you're pretty good at this baseball card thing. Why don't you try it like a, you know, a grown up? So essentially he, he, he gave me a couple of ideas in investing in, you know, blue chip stocks, which, you know, is a, is a pretty easy thing to do for anyone, even a, even a kid. So what I did was I bought a couple of stocks like Disney and General Electric um, and pretty much just sat on them for 20 years. And then when it, when it came time, if I needed to buy a car or put a down payment on a house, um, I always had these uh, stocks just sitting around that have compounded over the years and you know, it's just, just sold them to do that. Um, so I think that's what initially got me started. Um, and I think it kind of, it was nice uh, to learn that when you're young, because compound interest in stock is, stocks is probably one of the most important things you can learn. So it's a lazy set it and forget it type thing, where, uh, for example, if you, if you set up, uh, say, a dividend reinvestment program with a large blue, blue chip stock, um, say you put $4,000 into it as a, as a kid, by the time you retire, that's going to be worth a million dollars. So that was kind of my philosophy is lazy investing, put things away, and then forget about them. So you have two separate publications. You have The Crow's Nest and you have The Marijuana Manifesto. Yeah, so Crow's Nest is completely long-term dividend stocks. Um, again, the set it and forget it type. Uh, where you really don't have to worry about. Um, so when developing the crow's nest, like we've had a lot of success with that. Uh, and over the last three years, um, we've returned 61%, 103%, and 349% just on pretty safe stocks. Um, but what I started seeing over the last couple of years is uh, we have a plundering section in the crow's nest. It's kind of like a pirate theme thing. <laughs> so once in a while, I would take a swing at one of these like larger growth story stocks. Uh, and the first one I ever did was Canopy Growth, which was a marijuana stock. Um, and at the time, it was trading for maybe a buck seventy-five. Uh, and I was very interested in the industry because I, I I knew damn well that. It's going to be legalized, um, especially in Canada. So I took a trip to Ontario and um, visited their factory. And this this factory was uh, the old Hershey chocolate factory that was uh, closed down and moved to Mexico. So what these guys did is they went into the Hershey chocolate factory, started a marijuana grow company, and. Uh, it, when I when I arrived, it was amazing. 
Um, the CEO even had uh, on his door like Mr. Mr. Willy Wonka. So like they were really playing up this chocolate marijuana thing, which was I felt was kind of kitschy, but at the same time I saw what they were doing and growing large amounts of marijuana for legal medical use. And you know basically from there I was like, wow, this is definitely going to be the, like the next big market. So talking about marijuana as the next big market, you just made Canopy is in Canada. This is a question that I've seen a lot is whether it's too early to invest in the American cannabis market yet since legalization seems to be closer on the horizon for Canada than us. Would you say that's true? Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, 90% of my investments are in Canadian cannabis companies. And that's basically because they have the infrastructure and then a pretty clear path to recreational use. Um, so I've already seen a ton of success with medical-based companies, uh, but they are all positioning themselves for legalization. And then only a, a few months ago, they announced that they were going to legalize marijuana for recreational use uh, across the entire country um, starting in July of next year. Wow. So you expect dynamic growth for those companies in between now and July and then more growth after? Or is it kind of a, we're not going to see growth until legalization and then a huge boom? Well, it was kind of interesting um, because when it was announced, uh, a lot of the companies just went through the roof. Um, So for example, uh, when I recommended Canopy, it, it, it reached upwards of $17 a share. So... Uh, re- readers that got in early were probably around eight, 830% gains at that point. Um, and that happened across the board. Like most of the Canadian companies, just the valuations went through the roof. Um, early investors made a ton of money. Uh, but the interesting thing is they sold off. Like pretty much the day legalization happened, almost every big player in those cannabis companies sold off their shares. Um, so you have CEOs of some of the major corporations that have that, that sold off, you know, th- three to four million dollars worth of shares. You know, it, it crashes the stock a little bit, mm-hmm. and then people start flooding into that and just saying, "Okay, well, get it for a lower price." Well, that's good now, but everyone else was selling it. it like everyone kept selling on the way down. Um, so I think now it's actually the best time to start investing in them. If you didn't get into them, you know, years ago. Right now, you're looking at depressed prices based on some of that sell-off. Um, so I think Canada is the place to be. Um, and as far as the U.S. goes, uh, I can go on with the U.S. situation for a while. I mean, we should probably talk about, I think, um, for the podcast listeners, we put together an international investing report that's kind of a resource to teach you how to invest in stocks that are in Canada, because I know that's been an issue in the past for many investors that are trying to invest in cannabis is they, it's investing in a different market. But I think talking about the United States is important because many people want to invest on companies that are a little bit more accessible. So we're seeing this boom in Canada. Do you think the same thing will happen for the United States with legalization? Or do you worry that legalization is kind of on the cutting block with recent policy changes? So, yeah, it's a good question, and I think there's a few things to boil down there. Um, For one, there's not a ton of U.S. companies trading 
in the United States. So there's only maybe one or two that actually trade on, trade on major exchanges. Um, and politics comes into that for sure, because cannabis, cannabis is still a Schedule One drug. So that means it's on the same level of, you know, LSD, cocaine, um, pretty much labeled as no medical use. So mm-hmm. that means if you even in places like Colorado or Oregon, where they have perfectly legal state right to uh, to sell and distribute cannabis, um, the feds could potentially come in and shut down their whole operation. So that makes it very tough for them to get bank loans. Um, a lot of the companies have to deal solely in cash, and they they have the kind of the Fed breathing down their neck thing going on, which is obviously a problem. Um, I don't think that's going to continue to be a problem for a couple of reasons. Uh, So when Donald Trump was elected president, um, it seemed like he was going to be pretty hands-off on the marijuana issue. Mm -hmm. Um, He said during the campaign uh, a few different times, uh, for one, it's a state's rights issue. We're not going to come busting down your doors. Uh, For two, he said medical marijuana like he came out firmly in favor of medical marijuana and even talked about some people he knew that were using medical marijuana. Um, so that was all good. Like going into the election, I was like, okay, well, Trump is not going to bother with this stuff at all. Um, not to mention he loves to make money and there's, <laughs> there's been no better driver of uh, American jobs and tax revenue than legal cannabis. Like it's not even close. There's no, no new industries doing that. Um, the issue was he had Jeff Sessions uh, as his attorney general, who is a notorious anti-drug uh, legislator. Um, so that that kind of gave a chilling effect on the industry as well. They're like, oh, my God, Jeff Sessions is going to be in here. And he, uh, I mean, he said before that good people don't smoke marijuana. He um, <laughs> even more hilariously said, I thought the KKK was all right until I heard that they smoked weed. <laughs> so plenty of problems there. And obviously not the person you want to uh, lead, the, um, lead that branch of the government um, if you're concerned about marijuana investing. However, um, he's pretty embattled, and I'm not sure he's going to even make it as an uh, attorney general for much longer. But um, more interestingly, um, Donald Trump's one of his closest advisors and a consultant to his campaign uh, is a man named Roger Stone. And just last week, he had he announced, um, what is it called, the uh, the United States Cannabis Coalition, which is an advocacy group with which is an advocacy group uh, comp- comprised of Democrats and Republicans, total bi- bipartisan issue um, that are going to go forth and lobby for pro-legalization measures. I mean, imagine all the money that's flowing into the cannabis underground market that could be legally taxed. So I could see that being the main incentive for the United States government. Oh, absolutely. And if, and, and definitely if you're taking it by a state-by-state issue. Um, California, for example, uh, once their recreational sales start hitting, they're forecasted to you know, bring in over a billion dollars a year in tax revenue. Um, as you see more states that uh, are facing budget sh- shortfalls, um, 
it's it's pretty much a no-brainer. If you want to bring in jobs, you want to bring in tax revenue, there is very little to keep you from wanting to legalize marijuana. And Colorado is a um, is a testament to that because it's bringing in. I don't know the exact numbers, but I know that it's bringing in upwards of millions in tax revenue. Yeah, absolutely. And that was kind of funny, too, because um, their governor, uh, John Hickenlooper, uh, was adamantly against legalizing marijuana. Um, so, I mean, they put it up for a ballot measure, and they passed it. And, you know, months later, um, Hickenlooper himself was just like, I was completely wrong about this. This is one of the best things that's happened to Colorado in a while. So essentially, once Colorado legalized marijuana for recreational use, um, they saw a massive jump in tourism, um, a huge amount of tax revenue, um, and it's just worked out for everyone. So it, it takes a little time, and a lot of people were obviously hesitant to just embrace legalized marijuana because it's, it's had such a stigma over the years. Um, but once it happens, I mean, that's... It's, you, you can't, it's a Pandora's box. Like, mm-hmm. you can't close it, um, nor would you want to. So essentially, um, we have the states that are legalized now, uh, California being obviously the, the crown jewel of the entire industry. Um, but over the next couple of years, you're going to see a ton of uh, states doing the same thing. Um, Arizona, Connecticut, Hawaii... Kentucky, here in Maryland, um, Mississippi, Missouri, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Pennsylvania, Texas, and Wyoming uh, all have active measures to legalize marijuana this year alone. So each one, each time one of those states, uh, you know, gives it the green light, then I mean that's just more and more money uh, flowing in, and more and more businesses to invest in. Right now, even if 90% of the stocks you've actively chosen are in the Canadian space, do you think it's a safe bet to continue to invest in the American market? All that considered, even if legalization takes years, I think these stocks will continue to gain momentum just through the state, individual state legalization. Yeah, they absolutely will. Um, the problem is right now there really aren't that many U.S. stocks to invest in, but I have my eye on a few... Um, they're Canadian companies, but they are invested in uh, the United States market. Um, if I can talk about one company in particular, uh, it's a company called Future Farms Technologies. And what they've done is bought um, and started uh, cultivation facilities in Florida uh, for medical marijuana. Um, and obviously, Florida's got a demographic where medical marijuana would appeal to older people suffering from chronic pain, um, you know, cancer pain, that sort of thing. Uh, so what, what you see is a lot of companies that, while they may be formed in Canada, they're starting to plant their flags in the U.S. market, um, pretty much preparing for, for uh, legislation to go through. So I guess this is a question that I try to ask all the editors in our podcast, and it's the red flag question, because with any emerging sector, cannabis being an emerging sector still, you have a lot of people that attempt to capitalize on investors that are just excited about the space, but don't necessarily look at the company. So do you have red flags that you immediately see and kind of back off if you're looking at a company and analyzing it? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, This sector is definitely like swimming with sharks. 
because everyone knows that cannabis is a big you know buzzword and a lot of uh, companies will just slap cannabis on a shell company and then go out and you know talk a big game and don't don't have anything in, in uh, really anything to sell or anything at all um, and that's happened a few times there was one company I noticed that was um, it was called integrated parking solutions and then overnight they became integrated cannabis solutions and it was you know a total of bullshit company um, but just like what all right you've been dealing with parking meters and now all of a sudden you're gonna be selling marijuana like how does that work um, the, so there's a lot of that kind of thing like same thing with mining companies a lot of um, the Canadian mining companies will instead of you know mining uh, you know, silver or cobalt or whatever they're doing, um, they'll just all of a sudden turn into a marijuana company overnight, um, issue a bunch of cheap shares, and then, you know, pump and dump it. Uh, so that's a huge issue. So what I like to look at uh, for some of these companies is a great management team. So if you, if you look at the team members, it shouldn't be just one or two financial guys it should be a team of experts that have done this before, um, especially in the cannabis space. So you, you look for growers, you look for people, um, investment, investment relations, people that have actually had success in the, in the space. Um, otherwise, like if you, if you don't see a good team, then I, I don't see any reason you should be investing in these companies. And what I usually do is like have conference calls with the CEOs, with the investment relations teams, um, and try to figure out, like, hey, you're a medical marijuana company. Who are your medical experts? Like, have they done this before? Uh, and pretty much go from there. And the, the team will tell you all, pretty much all you need to know. So before we reach the close of the podcast, I think a really big question in marijuana, especially because it's an industry that's kind of teetering on that age of is it legal, is it not legal, um, is the difference between a company that touches the plant and a company that doesn't touch the plant and the repercussions for investors if they are investing directly in a company that's... Yeah, so um, in the U.S. especially, because uh, there is that threat of the government coming in and you know seizing your crops, basically. Um, so, for instance, I've, I had invested in a company called Helix uh, TCS, and they were a company that does not touch the plant, um, so what they do, it stands for technology, compliance, and security. So it's like these ancillary businesses, uh, kind of like the pick and shovels of like the gold mining industry, where it's just like you're not buying the gold, but you are, you know, investing in something that makes the gold possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so with this this company in particular, um, they provide compliance uh, and legal consulting. So if you're starting a marijuana dispensary, for instance, um, there's a ton of legal compliance to go through. So you can't just up and start a business. Like you, need, you best know the, the legal ramifications of what you're doing. So they'll provide the legal consulting um, to get you started. And then on the back end, uh, security is a huge issue. Uh, because banks won't touch a lot of the marijuana businesses, they're dealing in cash. So I mean, you have some dispensaries, you know, rolling out with $200,000 in cash and having to take it to the bank in a bag. 
Um, <laughs> so they'll provide security for that because obviously you don't want to be doing that every week. So it's uh, that like that kind of business. Um, it's I mean it's pretty safe. They they don't touch marijuana. They're just you know consulting and providing services for the industry. And I think you'll see more of those type of companies uh, crop up. Um, but Helix TCS, for instance, uh, even being a U.S.-based company in Colorado, um, I, I, I sold that uh, in our marijuana manifesto portfolio for 220% in a month. So you'll see little, uh, little examples like that pop up where a weird niche business you know, blows up in, in a blink of an eye and then um, they're not beholden to kind of the federal laws against the marijuana itself. So I think you'll, you'll see more of that cropping up as well. Um, same goes for, uh, there's like a, a REIT, for instance, that, um, you know, rents out gross spaces. Um, they just provide buildings. Uh, so you'll see more of that sort of thing that um, until the legalization actually hits and people aren't afraid to grow marijuana and sell it, uh, th- those are kind of safe bets um, in, the, in the pick and shovel type uh, investment industry. So say, I think this is a question that I have about if you're looking at a plant, oh, a company that does touch the plant, first of all, how does a company like that go public if they have stock in America? Would the market kind of stop that from happening? No, so most of the growers um, are Canadian. Mm-hmm. So you can buy you can buy them on the Canadian exchanges, or you can buy them over the counter in America, uh, perfectly legally. Um, my issue with buying over the counter is uh, the liquidity is rather low. Um, so if I would recommend buying on the Canadian exchanges or getting a broker in order to buy them on the correct exchange. With the over the counter stuff, you could have. Uh, you know, someone with a huge holding in one of the companies, and if they sell off one day um, because of the lack of liquidity, the stock will just crash. Um, so I'd much prefer investing in the actual uh, exchanges, usually the TSX or the CSE in Canada. Jimmy, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Um, we'll have to have you come back on for other cannabis-related podcasts in the future because it's a very hot topic and we get a lot of questions about it. <laughs> Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime. Okay, everyone. Um, if you check the links below, I'm going to link to both the Crow's Nest and Marijuana Manifesto. So if you're interested in either the long-term dividend or the marijuana investing, you can see information on both of those below. Also included is our international investing report, which will help you kind of figure out how to locate those Canadian brokers that we just talked about. Thank you. Have a good night.